Hi, I'm Mel. I'm an illustrator, designer, and founder of the Mimi for Creatives community. I created Mimi to support creatives with coaching, resources, masterclasses, workshops, and more. You are now listening to season two of the Mimi podcast, where I have fun and interesting conversations with some of the nicest creative minds around the world. From artists and illustrators to designers and art directors, I hope you enjoy listening to our chats and learn a thing or two. In today's episode, I chat with the prolific Margot McDade in my studio. It was wonderfully exciting getting to talk face-to-face for once instead of via Zoom. Margot is based in Thanet, just like me. She lives in Ramsgate, but Margate holds a very special place in her heart and in her practice too. It's no coincidence that her artist's name is Margot in Margate. During our conversation, we talked about the idea of success later in life how one's style evolves over time, and what it really means to put in the work, the famous 10,000 hours. Margot also talked about her bringing in Ireland and one very seminal trip to New York in her 20s that basically changed the course of her life. This chat with Margot was so inspiring and I hope you'll find yourself picking up a brush after listening. Enjoy! Really excited to have you here. Thank you very much. So you've lived in Ramsgate for over 13 years. Yeah. That's what you just said. Yeah. I've only been in Margate for five years, but when I moved here, I remember meeting my best friend at yoga and going to a place and already like I could see your art everywhere. And I, I just remember moving here and just seeing your stuff everywhere, which I loved. Mm. I was like, who's this person? This is really cool. So yeah. I've loved your art ever since I moved here, basically. And I really, I mean, obviously your name, your like artist name, I guess, is Margot Margate. Yeah. But it's funny. So you li- you do live in Ramsgate, but yeah. you've always loved Margate. So when I first started, I was trying to find the exact date. I think it was around 2017. And uh, I did a pop-up in the old town in Margate. In uh, It was the Vortigan Gallery. But um, it was on Lombard Street. And the idea of being Margot and Margate was I did... My superpower, I'd love to be invisible. I don't want to be, I didn't ever want to be like the face of my brand, which I didn't know I was like creating a brand. It was all really accidental. And I did really, really love Margate and we'd visit it. And I I think being in, you know, Ramsgate, Margate, very, very, very close towns, very closely connected, uh, very linked. Um, And seeing this regeneration happening, this renewal, but it hadn't really started 13 years ago, 14 years ago. The Turner was just opening. The high-speed train was just coming. And it was a time when, you know, things were beginning. The seeds were all there. It was a beautiful, beautiful town. And I think Margot Margate was about, like, we'd moved to Ramsgate. And it was like, this is the beginning of something. It was the beginning of something for me. And it was just felt like a really exciting time. And I think there was an energy in Margate. There always will be an energy in Margate that's special, really special place. And I did find it inspiring. I, f- I found like living beside the sea really, really, really um, freeing. It was like, this is freedom. This is, we can afford to live here. You know, we, we were living in London. We couldn't afford to live in London, you know, our, our driving force that took us to the East Kent coast was economical, you know, and that's that's something that I think so all the creative people that were moving here was because they were being pushed out of 
London. London's so unaffordable. Um, and I think I think that's a really positive thing now for me, that it did push me here because I really found out who I was, I found a place that I'm really, really happy in. Um, I love it. Yeah. You know, but Margate was a really inspiring place because I was beginning to see, you know, what was happening. The Turner opened and all these beautiful young women just appeared in all their lovely clothes. And I think that was really at the at the foundation of my inspiration was from the people. Yeah. People hanging around, creative people, normal people. Except a bit more fun. Because I feel like everyone around Margate is super fun and creative. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how normal It's a they fun are. town. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Great um, place. So you grew up in Ireland? Grew up in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, in a little border town right on the border with the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. So in Northern Ireland. Um, and that, I was born in 1969. So, and I do remember 1979 really, really clearly because that was the year Maggie Thatcher got voted in. And I remember thinking, oh, a woman prime minister, that should be good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not, uh, not, mm. not good at all. Um, so, yeah, a very ex- lively place to grow up. Lots of things happening. Some of them not positive. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was a... Looking back on it now as a grown-up, I think it must have been scary for the grown-ups. I think children are slightly more oblivious to what what goes on. But Yeah. So were you, what kind of child were you? Were you very creative already? Did I you want to paint early on? Yeah, I always painted. I remember one Christmas when I was about um, eight years old and I got a painting set. And I loved that painting set so much. It was gigantic it must have had a hundred watercolors in it and I loved it so much I didn't use it and I just looked at it um I think I used a few colors in it but I wanted to keep it like forever so I was I was always drawing and painting and but like really um just playing and just loving it but I was always outdoors climbing trees very outgoing loads of friends so I was uh, grew up on this council estate and then we were counting up how many children used to come out and play. It was like nearly 60, 80 kids just on the streets playing and having fun. And it was a completely different world, you know, that that's not that long ago. Mm. But we played outside and we had, you know, fantastic games and I just I remember my childhood being really outgoing and happy and fun and and brilliant really yeah that's really fun I always talk about it with my partner as well who had a childhood where he just went out on his own with his brother to fish so he's from here he's from St Peter's yeah Yeah. and just take the train when they were 10 and go fishing yeah I'm like wow um I grew up in in the suburbs of Paris so it wasn't I wasn't going out on my own. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, definitely nowadays it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It doesn't have that yeah. freedom. And I think that um that sort of pervasive anxiety is everywhere, you know, that we're worried about everything. Our kids have much more anxiety inducing yeah. people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult time, I think, to be a parent or a in a family you know it's 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 definitely a lot more 
challenging than the 70s and 80s and maybe even the 90s I don't know Mm, I don't know yeah I'm I'm a child of the 90s and early 90s and um I don't know I think what I'm trying to do with my daughter because you've got kids as well two boys yeah two boys Mm. how old are they Big one's 16. And okay, well, that's tricky. 13, no. nearly 14. Okay. They're, Teenagers, they're, they're good. They're really good kids, you know. We that's talk good. an awful lot about the world and the eldest one's very philosophical. You know, sees good in everything and really, really... And, and the little one's just a outgoing, fun-loving. He's, he's, you know, he's out the door at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, goes to the gym, goes to the park with his friends... He's climbing trees. I think he he definitely is a lot like me. They do have freedoms. They go out on their bikes. And, you know, I tend to believe that you've got to be, you've got to be independent. Let them be independent and go out. The eldest one's more of a, a homeboy. He tends to be at home a lot more than the youngest one. But they're both very different. It's fun to see the different personalities. But, yeah, with my daughter, I'm trying to think, I need to just form her so I'm going to, you know, maybe she can do some martial arts and I talk to her a lot and then she goes into the world and I just trust that she can yeah. do it, you know? Yeah. It's just trusting that they're going to be fine because you can't protect them forever. No, and, but... no. We we find the the um the sort of attitude that we should guide them and tell them what to do really difficult because actually I think looking back on it now because they are quite big, we have actually like, like please do martial art. Like, we're not really interested. And then it was like, well, we could really make them go but actually, they're not interested. Mm. So maybe we should sit back and let them develop yeah. their own interests. Mm. And I think that's that's the scary bit because you're thinking, well, if they don't have any interests, what do we do then? But actually, you just have to you have to listen to them and see what they want to do. And if they're happy, yeah. surely that's a fairly good sign. Yeah. And they they seem touch wood fairly happy. That's good. But, um. So. Okay, I already have so many questions, but I'm going to try to stick to my structure. Otherwise, we're going to go in loads of different directions. Um, but, okay, so what I really love, and I didn't know actually about your journey, because obviously I know your art and a little bit about you, but it feels like you came into almost yourself as an artist a bit later on. Absolutely. And you had a lot of things happen early on. So first I want to know, even coming back to childhood, because I think I read that your parents weren't keen well, they, they didn't artist. see, you know, it wasn't really a culture where there was like being an artist was a real thing, you know. So in the northwest of Ireland, you know, nurses and teachers, those are real jobs, accountants and bricklayers and practical jobs. I think it was. But then where I come from, we have such a culture of, you know, leaving. So uh, I left home at 17 I went to New York when I was 19 because it was what people did. People would say, I had a friend and she said, uh, I'm going to go out and work for the summer in New York. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm going to go to New York. So at 19, I went to New York and I worked as a waitress. I stayed a little bit longer than I should have done. How was that? Did you enjoy it? It was just mind blowing because suddenly you're, you're going into a completely different world where you know, as a waitress, I worked with dancers and actors and actresses. Everybody was doing something and everybody was an artist. That was the thing. And the first person I met, uh, 
a guy, he was an artist's assistant. And I thought, that's an amazing job. You assist an artist, that's incredible. And it just blew my mind that there was so much freedom out there about what you could do. And I then, I just bought art materials with my, you know, I would just buy sketchbooks and paints and gouache. I've still got a set of gouache that I bought back then. And um, I just dreamt of being an artist. So after a little while, I started meeting, I met one guy who used to come into the restaurant that I worked in. And I had no idea who he was, but I was his waitress. Really, really friendly, really nice. And I didn't know he was an artist, but I should have known because he dressed like an artist. He had red shoes, green trousers, yellow shirt, really brightly coloured. And then we got a new bartender and she said, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no idea. That's Mark Gustavo. He's just taken over Andy Warhol's factory. So I was saying to him, oh my God, you're an artist. That's amazing. I've always wanted to be an artist. And he was like, just do it. Just make art. And it was like a switch in my brain went off and went, yeah. I'm just going to be an artist. I'm going to, you know. And then I worked out, I used to look in the window of the Parsons School of Art. They had the best window display in New York. I'd always go past. And, it just, and then the idea of going to art college. So at 23, I went to art college in London, came back, went to art college for five years. I did a two-year part-time foundation. I did a three-year degree in metalwork. And I just, I think the hardest thing as an artist is really find yourself about what you're good at and what you want to do. Um, and I did have some success. My work was being sold in Conran, in Paris, new, uh, in London and Singapore. I made these little stacking cubes that you dropped a slide into. And I found then that industry really crushing because... I don't think I was ready for that sort of, felt really hard and ruthless and competitive. And I wasn't in a position to like set up a studio and be a designer. Um, so I was really crushed at that point and I was 28. So I became a community artist after that, started working with kids, which I loved. Um, worked in Elephant and Castle, the Rockingham estate and just loved it, just met all these kids coming in wanting to make art and just facilitating their creative dreams. And then gradually ended up, purely by accident, becoming a primary school teacher and teaching lots and lots of art through that. So I think there was a lot of creativity in that. And then, and then I just, I stopped and then we moved to Ramsgate. And I think I was about 43, 44, and I went, wasn't I supposed to get back to being an artist? So my plan was, right, I'm going to draw every single day and see where that goes. And I think we're nine, this is nine years in now, and next year will be 10 years of like, I'm going to draw every day and see what happens. But I think as an artist, you to find yourself is a really difficult job. Like, who are you? What, what are you good at? What are you going to do? And I think I did. And I think my art that I make today is a cumulation of everything that I've done that has brought me here. That's so interesting. Um, 
it's such a fascinating journey, but it's funny what you said earlier about it, when you met people in New York and they were like, oh, they were art, like you still wanted to be an artist. And I feel like a yeah. lot of people feel like, but where, when can I call myself an artist? Yeah. Almost, you know, what does it yeah. mean? Like, do I have to have credentials? Do I need that many amount of paintings in my, like, you know, it's really hard because it's not a job where you study and you get a diploma and they're like, you're an artist now. It's like over time, like you just said, it's making and, and creating. I think for me, it was, um, I think I felt really like an outsider in terms of like being an artist that who's going to invite you in and say, do you know, sit down, you should be an artist. No, that doesn't happen. You, I think in a way you almost have to fight your corner to be an artist, fighting with yourself as much as anything, because you're thinking this is a joke. You know, that's not, that's not good. That's, um, that's a bit ridiculous or, you know, you feel really exposed as an artist, I think, when you put yourself out there and you're like, you're really vulnerable. And I think I overcame that by by actually putting in the work. And I, I, I know, hand on heart, that's my work. I've worked for that. I produced that through blood, sweat and tears or, you know, anxiety-inducing torture or pure happiness all of those things in one but I know that it's my it's my effort that has produced that art it's my intention that's produced that art and my identity and who I am as a person and I think that's the thing if you know that you're being absolutely authentic to who you really are then you can be an artist then you can believe you know and that's something I think you get from working practically as an artist that comes from from actually doing the work putting the work in the sketchbooks having conversations with other people having those conversations with yourself about what what you want to achieve I wanted to sell my work I wanted it to be sustainable because if I don't sell my work I can't be an artist because I need to provide for myself provide for my family that's that's really important to me. But that's also the bit that made me successful was the fact that I was I was working and selling and my intention was to sell my work. Um, I don't sell all of it. I have loads of pieces that I keep for me and I paint for me as well, but I also produce work that I want to be, you know, to sell it and mm -hmm. to make it, um, I think to make it a business or to make it, um, to make it affordable and to make it, you know, reach a bigger audience. And I think that's where it's all maybe a bit complicated for a lot of people. But I think if you need to do it, then it's really simple. And I needed to do it. I had this compulsion, a real compulsion to make art. And I still have it. And I, I just have to do it every single day. Do you remember how you felt when you decided almost 10 years ago then to really stick to creating one piece a day? Was it, did you have structure around it? Were you like, I, I need made, a big painting I made a day? 20, 30. It was about collecting ideas. Mm -hmm. So I started with little index cards mm -hmm. and it was never one. So I was like, how many, you know, combinations of colours? And I was doing collages. I was cutting up envelopes. I made cards. It wasn't a draw in a day 
was never really a drawing a day. It was like draw every single day, produce, but out of all the amounts of stuff that you make, one of them should be good, you know? It was just like, that's your target. If you can make one picture a day, surely you're winning. Um, so it was just about endless possibilities of what you could create. And I do go back, I've got so many images, so, and I've kept quite a lot of them because the beginnings I didn't sell. So I didn't sell anything for six years and I was still working. I worked as a supply teacher. So that funded my artistic practice. And then it sort of took off. It took off purely by accident. What did you tell yourself for these first six years? Play. Keep going. Just play. Play. Just play. Have fun and play. Mm. Because that is... And actually, when I was at art college, um, I met somebody I hadn't seen for like 20 years. And they said, I remember you at art college. You were always so happy. And I was like, yeah, I remember being so happy at art college because it was my... It was the happiest place I could be. I was creating... I was making, I had a studio space to go to every single day. So, yeah, I went to Camberwell from 19. I graduated in 2007. So 2004 to 2007 was my Camberwell years. I was so happy. Loved it. Mm. Great college, great people, great experience, really. Yeah. Do you feel like I always tell people that, feel bad they've not been to art school to then become an artist and illustrator they feel like something's missing but do you feel like you could have done it without maybe not you personally but this is a conversation I'm having with my kids because they're saying do you think I should go to art college and I'm like well and they said what do you do at art college and I'm like basically sit around talk about art and then you go and make a bit of art and then the lectures I went to I think you know we're because of social media you can now access anything you can talk to anybody about art and I don't think it's essential to go to art college um, today and actually there is a study I have no head for facts but there was a study conducted about people who'd gone to art college and people who'd been self-taught who was more likely to succeed and those people who were self-taught were more likely to be uh, believe themselves and not crush themselves because I think art college can be really crushing it can make you feel like you can't be an artist because you're supposed to be something. Mm. And I think I'm quite sort of, I think I have quite a rebellious nature in the sense like the, the fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Mm. Um, I think that is my character. I think that is my resilience and my, you know, young kid going out playing, just like bring it on. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not scared of making mistakes. But that came from from being 40, you know, being older. I wasn't like that when I was younger. I was terrified of making mistakes or looking ridiculous or getting it wrong. And I think people learn that at different times in their life. I was a bit, probably a little bit late at learning that. I mean, that's really inspiring, I think. And you know Lisa Condon? Love her. She's got a similar journey, and I think she was even older when she broke through and became super successful. And it was the same thing of, it's never too late, like, you know, if you want it. She said that she drew every day till her Mm. hand hurt. Mm. And I think that is something that I would definitely take away from reading her books and stuff, was that 
is how much work you've got to put into it. I mean, not everybody has to put, but I think for me, the way I work and to get, and when I start painting, I would feel like I'm mining. And like the first few paintings, they're like, yeah, they're white, but maybe they're not very good. And then I keep painting and I keep painting and I keep painting. And maybe on painting number 52, I'm like, yeah, actually I'm beginning to see something in that now mm. that I didn't see at the beginning. And that's, I think that's what, and also I did a metalwork degree and it was very focused on craft or fine art. And I was somewhere in the middle. But I think what I've taken away from that is art is craft. I feel like I'm crafting in the sense that I repeat and repeat and repeat the same picture over and over again because I am trying to perfect something. I don't even know what I'm trying to perfect, but I think if I keep practicing and keep drawing, that I will get to something. Mm. God only, yeah, I don't know what that end result is, but I do plan to do that every day till I'm like you know, 100. Yeah, I would say I'm not, I'm not I'm retiring not, from no, anything. No, no, no. We you love it too you much. You can't retire from this yeah. kind of work because no. it's, it's who you are. To. It's like yeah. eating and sleeping and breathing. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Mm. It's, um, it's very, very, very addictive as well. And I guess it's even worse because it's an addiction that's rewarded in a way. I mean, it's not worse. I think it's oh, a great addiction it, to it's, have. It's but, a great you know. addiction to have. It's a. It's definitely there's a lot of dopamine. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of things at play when you create. It's it's a very happy thing to do. I needed it. I really needed it. Yeah, it's so interesting. And do you have? I wanted to ask you about something that. I've not had yet, and I, I think we're kind of similar. I'm very like, fuck it, I'm going to do what yeah. I want to do, and I'm yeah. going to do it my way. Um, but, you know, in terms of style, um, I know I'm jumping ahead of a few questions, but this idea that when you have something that works, so I know you're, you're doing a lot of things, and like, okay, I'm kind of happy with this. I don't know yeah. why. I'm happy with yeah. this. And then people love it. They buy it. Yeah. What if you start, you know, you paint one day and you're like, actually, I want to do something completely different. Yeah. Do you feel that pressure of being like, oh, but what if people don't like it now because I'm sustaining a whole thing with this? Do you have yeah. that? Yeah, I think I think if I um, didn't have a slightly obsessive compulsive nature, mm -hmm. I would probably have a wider range of work. I do have a completely... I do have a different range of work, which I don't tend to photograph very much. I don't tend to go on to social media. Not everything I do, I photograph and put on Instagram. So I have I have this other little play thing that I do, which is I like to, and they're usually the ones I keep at home because I don't want to sell them. But I take really, really, really bad paintings and try to improve them. So there was one of my favourite ones is in the bathroom at home. And somebody's obviously gone to Menorca in the 1970s, done a fantastic painting of the rock formations and the sea. And uh, the rock formations and the colours of the rocks, uh, it's, it's really brilliant. But the sea and the sky, hideous. So we've uh, blocked out the sea and the sky and it's just got this lovely rock formation painting. So that, that's me. I still play. So I think it's possible to have uh, more than one, you know, form of creativity. 
that maybe that's what I'll end up doing. Let's go around the world, find really bad paintings and just adjust them. Or I'll just do that for me. And that gives me deep satisfaction. And I do think there will be, there will be a shift in my work. I am, you know, intending to shift my work from doing portraits of women in shirts, striped tops. <laughs> you know, there's got to be movement somewhere in that. Um, but you, as well, you've got to let it be natural. I don't force things. Mm. I'm still really, really, really enjoying it. You know, I did think about it when I was um, looking at your work. How, I mean, human faces. You can't. It's so yeah. diverse. You can endless. do so much. Yeah. You know, it, their and, possibilities and are absolutely yeah, endless. endless. And in a way, it's I a think great subject. I love it when people say that looks like my granny, mm. and then they send me a photograph of their granny, and I'm like, it does look like <laughs> your granny. You're right. It really does. And how I think. Um, there's something beautifully satisfying and soothing about finding something that you find familiar mm. and um, and it's just really pleasurable. So I think that's, for me, it's pleasurable. I think if I wasn't enjoying it, it would I would definitely change it. Mm. But I, I really, in a way, I think we all need to be aware of being stuck in a rut but it doesn't feel like, I don't feel like I'm stuck in my work. Um, and also I think playing around with scale, playing around with materials, I'm always chopping around. Um, I do think there's a body of work I'm trying to get to that I haven't got to yet. Um, and I'd like to start working on that, you know. Hmm. So do you, in terms of process, do you, create per painting or do you like to see like a whole do you in your head are you like oh I kind of want a series and women you know I'm just interested to hear your process when it comes to creating is it more like I'm going to start a painting and see what goes or is it oh I could do a series I think um I've always been driven to by what is possible so at one stage stage one was like kitchen table art I'm what I made my art at the kitchen table with my kids when they were little and then I graduated into the playroom where the kids were in the playroom and then I had a desk in the playroom that was a lot of collage, a lot of cutting and sticking. And I think, you know, that there's been a natural... If I was to look back at the last 10 years, all that work came from uh, a process of, of my environment. My next plan would be to build and want a studio, a big studio that's full of light and that is warm. <laughs> and that that's not going to happen for at least maybe I don't know could take me five years I don't care but that will change my work when that happens that will be different work because right now I feel like the scale of my work is matched to the size of the space that I can produce in and um, yeah I think you cut your cloth accordingly you you make what you can make and We've all got limitations, boundaries. My children have grown up so quickly. The next five years, I'll have an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old. I'll be a different person. The world will be different for me. I'll, my work will probably reflect that. And I think there's something really nice about being comfortable about who you are as an artist and go, it's okay. I, you know, I, I've, I've made a point very early on, like, I'm not going to torture myself. I am not going to be crippled 
by my art. I am not going to let my art destroy who I am as a person. I'm going to do the opposite. My art's going to make me a much happier, healthier, wiser, fulfilled person. And I think fulfillment, especially as women, is where we should feel fulfilled. And maybe from a generational point of view, that hasn't happened to women from different generations. They didn't get a chance to feel fulfilled about who they were as people. And I feel like I am demonstrating to my children, be fulfilled. If you want to be a gardener, be a gardener. Make it sustainable. You know, do whatever you want to do. But it will have to be sustainable. You'll have to sustain yourself in the world as that person. So... It's complicated, isn't it? It's complicated and really simple all at the same time. You have mm. to you have to do it. You have to believe in it. You have to work out how to do it. And nobody's going to say to you, nobody's ever going to come up and say, well done, you know, mm. well done you for working it all out. But that is your job, is to work it all out. Did your parents never say, well done you? No. Um, they are blown away mm. by it. You know, they are, oh my God, in such a good way. In a way that I think, you know, like my dad's born in 1936. My mum's born in 1946. They're born into, uh, you know, Northern Ireland. Everybody was poor. Everybody, you know, it's a completely different world back then. Such a different world. So what they thought was possible and what we think today is possible. They're completely different worlds. But they are so, so, so happy for me. Because they can see how fulfilled I am. And also that, you know, leaving home and going away and, and you know, that sort of... I, I still miss them. You know, that that's... You pay a price for that, that you leave your entire family and you go somewhere else because you want to find out who you are. But that's... For me, it's been a really positive thing. But I know they really miss me. I think you need to do that. Though. Yeah, I, I, I needed to do that. Twenty, I was 21. But yeah. um, still young, because nowadays people stay yeah. their parents for so long. Um, But you need that. You need to leave. And same thing. I mean, I went to Chile. And I went. I didn't just go to UK straight away. Because it's actually too close for me. Like, I'm not like, I'm yeah. like, I could give you further. I love them so much. Yeah. But I could be in Australia. I'd be really yeah. happy in Australia. Yeah. I don't need to be super close. Yeah. I like that to be able to be your own person because parents have got such um an influence on you and yeah. you can't figure out where you are until yeah. you leave. Yeah. So Yeah, and that I think that's gonna be a quite a challenge as a parent. Mm, you know, to, let them to go. actually go just go and be yourself. Because seventeen is is mm. young. It's yeah. like one of you yeah. Yeah. It's like could have really But I think I was that very um I kinda think I always knew who I was and I always had ideas like my youngest boy always has ideas he's always hatching <laughs> mm. a plan he's always got something that he wants to do he's got real vision um and he's an amazing artist he's, oh, he wants to be are, an artist as well yeah they both do they both are both really 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 creative people they both draw all the time they um the eldest one does uh, he wants to be a writer and the youngest one wants to be an you know illustrator animation and they um, get together and they make little um, cartoons together, little sketches. They've come up with Washing Machine Man. That's one of their most recent creations. Mm. It's just fun, just really enjoyable. And they, you know, they, they're playing. 
we're doing that it's great it's so interesting what you said earlier I was thinking about your parents you know and you coming from a completely different world and probably if you hadn't had the vision you wouldn't have had anyone showing you that what you're doing now is a, a possibility yeah and I think nowadays what's good in a way is that more people are living out their dreams and then they're showing their kids and other people that it's possible. And then we all, you know, yeah. um, I grew up, my, both my parents were designers. So I was really lucky that I grew up knowing I could be a designer. But then the problem was then, well, I can't be a, an artist or an illustrator because what makes money doing that? you got to be a yeah. graphic designer. Yeah. So it was a different bias. But um, yeah. still grew up thinking you can be creative and make a living with it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's awesome that your kids, um, yeah, I don't know what my daughter is going to do. But she loves drawing. But the thing is, they see you right they see us they're like oh they look so happy doing these things and color and things so it's doing things to the brains for sure absolutely absolutely and i think for me i always wanted a sense of freedom Mm. more than anything else i wanted to feel like i had the freedom to choose where i lived where what i want to do and um i think i was always i always felt like freedom has got to be underlying you know just all those choices that you make I don't want to feel like I'm imprisoned by my choices my choices need to be good choices that I can just fly around you know playing with and when I paint I feel like there's total freedom in my in my head in my soul in my life it's just brilliant you know I love the process. It's all about the process. Yeah. And the outcome is purely coincidental about from the process. So funny. Um, I've been painting on that one. And uh, yesterday I got so in the flow that I made a mistake and I put black. I'm showing a painting I'm doing. I love it. And I put black on the... But now I had neck is... Anyway, I'm not happy with it, but it's fine. But it's so funny because you get... You know, you're like, I want to do this. But then you get so in the flow and it's so nice. Yeah. And yeah. then you like your brain stops working and your hand is taking over and you're like oh have you had that where you're working on a painting absolutely and you're like oh I didn't want to do that but then your hand took you somewhere yeah I think I've learned to just completely switch off from like what I want to do I don't think I've ever sat down and went I don't really I don't know what I'm going to paint before I sit down Mm. I sometimes do very 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 rarely will say I'm going to do this I'm working on a um accidentally managed to book myself two exhibitions in January mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah one in Brighton We're gonna one talk in about Brighton that. yeah yeah so I am working now towards that mm-hmm. and I always start with let's just see what happens let's just see you know who because I think there was an intention like you should do loads of really big fluorescent swimmers and I'm like yeah there, I don't think that I think there might be one big fluorescent there isn't actually one big fluorescent swimmer yet but there's a small fluorescent swimmer but um, I just like, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's sit down and get on with it. And don't, don't need to know. You don't need to know when you start what you're doing. And I think that's the most interesting bit. It's like you shouldn't, when my 16-year-old said, what do you think I should do, mum? What, what do you think What do you think I am? And I'm like, you're not supposed to know now. You're 16. You're supposed to work it out from here, what you're meant to do. I say, do what you're good at. Do what you enjoy. You've got to start with that. Um which I think is probably a whole new generation of parenting, whereas before you're like, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to work hard Mm. and you're going to really apply yourself and you're going to get a good job 
and you know you're gonna have a good life whereas I think you know looking at my kids and I'm thinking you're going to see so many changes in the world and you're going to be ready for that because this idea that we all need to have everything is wrong we don't need to have half the things that we've got in our lives we're going to have to my husband's the 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 most profound minimalist I've ever <laughs> met. He doesn't buy things. He doesn't have any attachment to physical items. He's very, very, very minimal. But you're different, right? Oh my goodness! You're I the opposite. am a out of control, mm, makes controlled hoarder. Okay. Um, but I just love things and things really inspire me. And like, I love collecting mm. random stuff. Vintage books, I've really had to really, you know, curb that addiction. Because that's, that's, you can fill many's a house with a vintage book collection. Just random stuff, you know, anything. You know, I'm in the middle because when you came in, you thought, I was kind of a minimalist, but I've you should see where I grew up. The way my mum designed our house, it was literally white walls, white floor. It was cold as well. It was it was very cold, way yeah. too cold. And I remember as a kid, because yeah. it was there was a few design stuff. I remember we had, I mean, the most unchild friendly table, which was glass with like sharp angles and like these like wheels, like black, like a designer designer yeah. table. But anyway, and so cold and so minimalist and. I think I'm in between. Like, I love collecting beautiful things that yeah. I find beautiful. Yeah. I don't go over... I, I'm not a hoarder because I do like things to look... Like, I feel like to function, I need to be looking around and yeah. be like, oh, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. And then otherwise I get really anxious. There's definitely a graphic designer discipline. I think you've... You, you yeah. Know, you're creating images with mm. the thing. Um, no, I've got... you got artist hoarder style. Oh, my goodness. There's these <laughs> Russian pandas ceramic russian pandas that i just i found a little set once and I, they're so beautiful and uh then i'll find another one i think oh, it belongs with the other pandas really doesn't there's some cute yeah but you know it's not yeah i think there'll be a shedding point yeah yeah is that how it goes yeah you collect and then you're like okay i'm getting rid of loads of stuff yeah yeah but i don't tend to do the disciplined organization that they're sort of piled up randomly so is where you work quite busy or do you take that like what's your process for that because I know I can't start doing anything if it's not tidied so when I first started I worked out of my bedroom mm -hmm. and it's quite a big bedroom so there'd be at least three desks in it and there one desk would just be like collages and then another desk would be like inks and watercolors and the other desk would be like wooden blocks waiting to be painted or being painted with Indian ink and so I don't let anything yeah I'm quite chaotic and it's quite dis not disorganized there is a, like an organization but it's not um it's all free is one of the desks was for the children to come in and play they could do their thing so we'd all sit and paint and draw together and that's quite nice and I think that's that was our family life. Yeah. And probably quite a lot of dangerous piled up stuff in the corner about to fall on their heads. I'm sure the stories that they will tell their children, like my mum was 
dangerously creating art in her bedroom. But I think you can't let um, things stop you from doing what you need to do. So just get on with it. Mm, yeah. You know, don't have a studio, make it at the kitchen table. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, so we just moved in this house and for the past four and a half years, I mean, not the four and a half years, but when my daughter got big enough that she needed a room, which was my studio, yeah. I had to retreat to the bedroom and have just a side of the yeah. room to work on. Yeah. And I couldn't paint. I couldn't do anything. And ever since we moved here, I've been painting loads because yeah. suddenly I have the space yeah. for it and I've yeah. got a room that's mine. Although I do share it with her. I like her to come in yeah. and make a mess, which yeah. is fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's interesting how a work changes depending on the environment. And you saying that you want to, I mean, that's dreamy. The idea Dream. of having a oh, yeah, huge yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warm studio. I don't know. The warm, it's the same. Like I had a studio in Jarrett's Yard um, for a while before COVID and it was so cold. Why are art studios always cold? Just art. Just art. Because they're usually old buildings. Yeah. With loads of light. Yeah. And... No, we, me and my husband, we're just dreaming because he's a furniture maker and we're like oh, we should cool. we should you know build something together we should have something where you know but i'm like you can't make any noise jonathan mm-hmm. right i can't have your big machines going making a noise we're gonna have to build studios far away from each other because i'll need peace and quiet yeah do so you like peace and quiet to work i do yeah. and i tend to work at night okay. because it is really quiet mm-hmm. and there's nothing else to do but you're not got... tired though i can't do it I mean, maybe a little your bit. Children are, your children are a lot younger yes. than mine. Yes. Um, but right. I did. Uh, so they used to go to bed. And when they went to bed at 8 o'clock, then I'd start painting. Mm. So from 8 to 10, 8 to 11, 8 to 12, I mm. used to paint. And now I probably, I sometimes, because I've got a show coming up, um, I can be found painting maybe to 1 o'clock. Not, not too often, but I will paint into the evening. Um, I've done a three paintings or touched up three pieces of artwork before I came here today. So I'll do it when I get up in the morning. It's in the kitchen. Everybody's very accommodating, thankfully. Um, but that's good. That sounds My nice, poor yeah. family. My poor fa- they, they've suffered. I, I mean, don't suffer, but they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they love it. Yeah, I was going to ask how you, because when you started the, the process of saying, like, I'm going to be creating way more now and do one or more, we said, like, painting yeah. a day. They were tiny. So, you know, we do quite a lot of collaborative work together. Mm. Um, but I think it's got to be fun. It's got to be bright. It's got to be happy. You can't be, um, I, I don't, I don't want to be too serious and too heavy with art for me. I need to make it uh, just, you know, although having said that, I know that, um, my brother said to me, why are all your women really sad? <laughs> I'm like, there's a few out there that are, that are looking quite solemn. And do you feel like you can tell? when? Do you remember the mindset? Because we talked about that, like you didn't necessarily plan what you were going to do. But over time, when you look back, do you see certain mindsets you were in? And like, oh, I, I was sad when I did this. Or does it not affect it? Um, I have a friend who phones me up and she goes, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, why? And she goes, I've seen your women. <laughs> They're looking a little bit distressed. And I'm like, yeah, actually. But they, and that's one of the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me was, um, they met me in real life and they said, oh, you have a really good sense of humor. I was hoping you would, and I could see it in your artwork that you have a good sense of humor. 
And I think there is underlying, you know, some of the women. There is a sense of humour at play as well, which is like, I love being a woman, you know. It's great fun. It's not all about painful periods and difficult childbirth experiences. There's lots of fun about being a woman. I, I think I'm, you know, I celebrate being a woman. That's my intention. I, I love being me. I love being a woman. I love being an artist. Fuck it. I'm going to be a really happy person. You know, despite everything, um, I want to be a happy, contented, fulfilled person. That's that's my intention. And um, I love it when people say, oh, my God, I get so much joy from that painting. And I'm like, great. You know, they could tell, I could tell that you really enjoyed making that painting. I'm like, yes, I am living my best life. I am loving it, you know, and that's something that I don't stop and, you know, enjoy it. You have to stop because I just have this work ethic, like work, 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 work. And I do find it hard to actually stop and go, oh, I love my life, you know, it's great. Rest of it. Yes, what's nice is I feel like artists in the past you know, when you study art history, it's like, no, you have to be tortured and yeah. sad and not do well to make good art, almost a yeah. famous thing. And yeah. it's nice to switch and also that around. I've, I think, you know, at art college, mental health was a real thing. You know, uh, you could see people really struggling with mental health at art college. It was not a, like a, a beautiful, carefree place to be. I was really, really happy there. I was doing metalwork and it was a really practical course. Um, I knew what I kind of wanted to do and I was getting on with it. But I think, and that's why I didn't do fine art because I knew if I did fine art, I would actually probably go a bit mad. But I'd gone to, um, when I was in New York, I made jewellery. I made um, lots of little wooden jewellery. I used to sell on Central Park West outside as like, a little store like that thing and meet the most amazing people and I met a lady who who did really simple drawings of uh, the jaguar the mythology of the jaguar and um, somebody came up one day and went do you want to make a book I'm a publisher and she just went off and made a book and I remember thinking wow these are just amazing uh, opportunities what a great place you know so um yeah back to the mental health things it's really 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 hard I think at any stage in your life to say I'm going to be an artist and make it work but I think it's important to push through and, and do that but also there's so many other things around you which need to be in place for that to happen you know for me it was like I gone to art college, came out, trained as a teacher. That was my backup plan. No matter what happens, I'm going to be okay because I can go in and work as a professional person. I worked really, really, really hard to become a teacher. That was really challenging. And I'm really proud that I did that because I equipped myself with enough skills that I could make my... I was sustainable. I could provide for myself. And then... I could have a family, which was really important to me. I wanted to have a family. 
And then once that happened, moving to Ramsgate was was the absolutely the key element for me to have fulfillment as an artist. Because then we bought a house for like a hundred a tiny house. It had two rooms upstairs, that was it, for like a hundred and forty thousand pounds. And I went, we can we can live here. You know, we can have Obviously, we stayed there for three years and it was way too small because we kept sort of dragging more stuff into the house and then we bought a bigger house. But it was still affordable and you can afford to live. And I think that's something that, that's the biggest challenge now is like life's so unaffordable for younger people. It's so hard to be sustainable. Yeah. And it's the same thing we're talking about having to leave home to find yourself and figure out what you want to do. Yeah. How do you do but that? But then it's like too mm. expensive to do so. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Or traveling. I, I think expensive. the next the next 20 years, you know, next 10 years for young people is, is crushing. It's crushing. They're going to have to be really creative, work around that. But then, you know, online businesses, I think the world is changing, hopefully. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you can only do what's right for yourself at that point in time. And that's why I feel so grateful to do what I do. I mean, every single day. I feel unbelievably grateful to be able to do what I do and humbled by it. Like I just. I don't think about it because I think it would. Not destroy me, but it would do my head in. If I was just thinking, this is so amazing. I didn't expect it. I mean, I worked for it, but yeah. I didn't you expect it. You wanted it, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very, very grateful. Really grateful for, for the success that I've had. I love it. And I needed it. And I really felt like, and I still love it every day. So tell me more about the Brighton show. How did that come about? I'm always curious to hear about the... Ins and outs of like shows. I, um, someone came in to my shop in Addington Street mm -hmm. and and I was saying that, you know, I love what I do and I've got this far and I'm really worried about what the next step's going to be. And I kind of felt like I needed something, but I didn't know what I needed. And this lovely guy called James said, oh, you should chat to my friend Joe. She's a, um, she represents artists. She's really, really good. You should talk to her. And um, that was Joe Brooks, I have to say. is just an incredible, incredible woman. And she runs a PR company. She's an art agent. So, yeah, she's now my agent. We talked, met. And um, I do need somebody to help me with the next stage, which is... Let's, and then she said, let's launch you, let's launch you in Margate, let's, let's do a big show. So I did a, a, a show at the Turner Contemporary in the um, Boyle Rooms. And so this is the next, we did then did a show in London, absolutely amazing shows, two shows. And this is the third show now in January in Brighton. And it's just, it's about putting all of my work in a big space. And playing around with the scale, play around with the um, sort of almost like the ambition of it. Like, let's, let's take these 
small pictures of women and blow them right up mm. and see do they change and I think they do they're very powerful and I love it so much I really really love it and I love working with somebody now with um, you know discussion and intention and and also let's go back to America let's mm. go back let's go full circle that that's that's my dream is to do a show in New York in New York mm. Margo in Manhattan That'd be amazing. I think that, that would. Good. I think that would be fun, you know. Yeah, but I think also what you were saying about the scale, there's something that people really crave now is seeing art in real life, and you yeah. know we tend to see tiny things on our phones, yeah. no texture, or you know it's just not the same experience as seeing a piece of artwork in a room amongst others, and especially your work is really colourful as well. So it's oh, I'm excited. I mean, it's yeah. in Brighton. I'll have to yeah. try to. I think we're consuming art in a completely different way now. I think we're, you know, whereas before you went and art was something you saw in galleries. And I think now we want to live with art. We want to be, you know, and art's really good for you, you know. It really affects your mood and it makes you feel better to look at it. Art's really important, mm. you know. And it, it, sh it should be accessible to loads of people, small, big, medium. For me, I think, you know, making art affordable and accessible is really, really a brilliant thing, you know. And I think your Margate is like, that's what Margate's about. It's a place where there's loads of art. There's mm. art everywhere. Have you thought about doing murals? I was just making think about I'd love to do a mural. Haven't got the, you know, haven't had the, the opportunity, opportunity yeah. but I would love to do a mural. Because that's the ultimate free art in a way yeah, you know it is yeah mm. yeah well thanks but um, we'll see what happens we'll see how the Brighton show goes yeah and so you're full on working on this at the working moment. on that one and um, and then I'm working with POW Power of Women and mm -hmm. uh, doing a show at the Albion Hotel which I thought was starting in March but actually starting in January as well uh, luckily I think I've, I, I definitely know I've got enough work mm. for all of that What's the biggest painting you're doing? Is it uh, huge? 150 by 100 centimetres, which okay. is fairly big. Yeah. Um, I like that scale. I like I like seeing them in big spaces because that's, that's the shift now. Whereas before I've always seen my work in fairly small mm. settings, seeing them in really big spaces is really amazing. Mm. And, and also getting to work with big brushes and big amounts of paint and just just more expensive just brilliant uh, yeah mm. more, expensive, more expensive yeah paint is really expensive and it is yeah maybe it's the one i'm getting no no no, no they're really okay. expensive yeah. yeah um i have a thing as well like if i squeeze out a certain amount of paint mm. i have to use all that paint mm -hmm. i'm not wasting oh no drop. you don't want to waste it and yeah. i find this um really beautiful gold acrylic which i just love and i've had it for I actually bought a ton of paint from somebody who'd obviously overbought and uh, that was in a sort of like a lucky bag of paint. And I thought, gold acrylic, really? What? I mean, what would, what would you use that for? Found it. I'm just like, love it. Mm. So lots of ladies with gigantic gold hair and gold shirts and gold trousers and just Amazing. playing. Yeah. Just playing like a seven-year-old. Mm. So it's good fun. Yeah. 
Okay, so something I like to talk about with artists as well as anything they might have struggled with that I know, I mean, so far, I know, I'm, I'm sure you've struggled with stuff. Oh, I think I've but struggled you, with everything. You, but Okay, you know, so yeah, what's yeah. something that you felt like now you are at a better place with it, but you struggled with it at the, maybe at the beginning or later on? I think on? right at the very beginning. I mean, it was interesting because the very, very, very first show I did, I did uh, all these drawings, collages lots of little illustrations and um, moved into the gallery. I thought I had enough work, put it in, and suddenly they looked like little matchboxes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is horrendous. Um, so I went home and painted bigger pictures, put them in, uh, literally overnight, uh, ink drawings, large ink drawings. Um, and what I struggled with, I thought, people are just going to come in and say, that's you know, that is rubbish. And I felt like, please don't crucify me. You know, don't, don't slate me. Just don't rubbish it. So I did a be kind. So that was one little, and I did it the night before the show, put it in a vintage frame. And that was my, that was my launching image. And that was the one that was remembered from that show. Nothing else got remembered. So I think that, so I, I think everybody struggles with like putting yourself out there. And that's, I really was, like I was, a, I was 44 before I was prepared to put myself out there as an artist. So like, I think it's fair to say that was a, a real struggle. But like anything, once you've overcome one struggle, it does mean that you know how to overcome the next one. Yeah, I think I do struggle all the time with, you know, self-belief. I think that was something I didn't I've had to work on that I, I I've learned not to judge my own work don't judge it that's not for I'm you terrible at this. yeah I'm very judgy. it's a very artist it's a very artist thing to do but I think it's more important that you create the artwork mm. so you've got to bypass all your self-sabotaging and I'm sure oh, you mean in the sense of don't let it stop you from doing it. Yeah, don't, no, yeah, don't let sure. it stop you from doing it. You know, okay, so it's bad. Carry on. Next yeah. one might not be yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. You can judge it at the end, but then you start again. Yeah. yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I remember in art school and even later on, I just don't keep stuff. So, yeah. like, I'll draw a lot and it just goes in the bin. Like, I think yeah. it's... it. Well, paintings I do, but, like, it depends. Like, I'm really easy to just throw it away and be like, yep, yeah, nope, you're leaving. <laughs> And then start again. Like, you know, you said something that really resonated is the, the idea of doing, you said you'd do maybe 50 paintings and the first, the third you didn't like. And then, oh, maybe I'm getting somewhere. I feel like that's what you did. It's like a speedy version of what yeah. people do. And yeah. you've done it as well. From yeah. when they decide to be an artist to when they actually, I mean, I don't know, I was going to say succeed, but what does it yeah. mean? You know, like... It's how much you do. And you talked about that famous 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 10, 10, hours of practice. Yes. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that the difference between um, artists who succeed and artists who try mm -hmm. is that uh, the artist who succeeds is still trying to paint their best picture and I'm still trying to do a good picture. I'm mm -hmm. still working on my, to make it good and to make it better. Yeah. And I think that I'm I'm still trying to find something. 
I did a little drawing in a sketchbook, which I actually tore out of the sketchbook and sold it, of a girl falling, and um, and it was like a falling down chimney. It was really simple, I think. But I I often think of that one. So there's certain paintings I think or drawings that I think ah that one worked. You know why? And I've tried to replicate it. Can't. Just can't. Mm. I think I'm looking forward to having time in the future where I just will go back in with no agenda and something different will come out. And I think that will naturally happen. Mm. And I've got to be open to that, you know, open to having a slight um, shift in. It'll be a process. It'll be a warm studio, mm. maybe a warm kitchen. But a kitchen's very warm. Mm, yeah. But it's, uh, what do you put in your notebooks? Is it do you? Because you said you don't plan. Because I know I. I mean, there's so much planning that goes into it for me. But like, do you just sketch ideas, but not really like the final well, I, painting? I sketch purely for fun, okay. and I have them all over the house. Uh, and I love traveling because then I get the sketchbook out and I can just sit and things. And I'll just this one I started things but nice. i will just one. just sit and i love notebooks yeah i love notebooks for some Ooh, reason nice uh, boobs great pert very pert boobs i tend not to do <laughs> boobs on my ladies yeah and i tend not to because i'm not um i'm not worried about bodies mm-hmm. yeah, i think right. uh the most powerful part of any woman is her brain <laughs> yeah uh very cliched uh think about you every day and i love repetitiveness mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, so this this them. one's just this is just, we're looking you, through you, one of my sketchbooks yeah. and one of them says god help us forgive us mm. and they tend to reflect what's happening around us you know mm-hmm. so god help us forgive us yeah we know is that. is where we're at right now yeah. um and this one is the exhibition at the Albion Hotel with the Power of Women is about rest. So mm-hmm. I'm drawing lots of ladies who are resting. resting yeah. And what does rest mean? Um, and actually, you know, I follow some people on Instagram. There's a lady somewhere in Utah okay. who cooks. She's got like four or five, six kids mm. and she cooks homemade food every day like roll okay. bread rolls soup everything she's just the most amazing cook and i love and i feel rested after i've watched her cook i'm okay. seeking inspiration clearly we need rest so lots of people resting in this book and they're just playing around with bit. um Ooh, i like these as well i do like when you do buddies too i do yeah yeah i am not dead i just need to lie down <laughs> And I think, you know... They're like my best friend would love this one. Yeah. The yeah. mental exhaustion is real, isn't it? It um, is. Oh, I love it. I need to... Every I sketchbook yeah. should start with a date, is my little philosophy. So I start every sketchbook with a date. But uh, I then have to update it, because now we're in November. This one started in August. Oh, did it? Um, and then they just... Do you wrote. feel like you practiced switches with the seasons as well? Because I know it yeah. does for me. Yeah. Yeah. Location? Mm-hmm. Yeah. location yeah location i'd like to, i'd like to think like the next 10 years when my children are properly grown up mm-hmm. james will be coming 24 and that i'll be able to move around and go somewhere and paint for three months maybe new york maybe menorca 
Ooh, you know? okay, yeah, yeah, warmer. I was going to say warmer. New York is cool, but it's not. New York, I think, would be a good place to paint, but for a very short period of time. Yeah. And go to three months somewhere, like, it's really nice and warm, and, and then there's no agenda, and just see what happens. And I think that's, that's just a dream. Well, would you move away completely, or are you really no. attached to here now? I'm, I think this is home. Mm-hmm. No, this okay. feels like home. Yeah. Also, we've got a little dog. Mm-hmm. So we would never move too far away because the dog would have to come with us. Um, but no, this I feel really attached to where we live, and the boys are as well. This is this is our family home, mm. and it's a great place. I love it, mm. and I particularly love the winter. I just love how empty it is, and do you like a bit of wind? It's just yeah, perfect same. place because it's windy. Yeah, and uh, it feels like a bizarrely like a really exciting place you know and I think that sort of idea that is really forgotten that's what I love about it you know I think it would be a different place if it was really like I went to Brighton on a Tuesday afternoon place was absolutely buzzing you know really really busy it's bigger as well it's massive yeah I like how small that it is in a way you know yeah they're small towns, yeah, Ramsgate Market, lovely. very small towns, yeah. in a nice way. Yeah. Mm. But big enough for all the creative people there. Yeah. Always doing new things. Yeah. I do, I do, yeah, that's what I like the most about it when I moved is the movement and the energy and always having new things pop up. And yeah. yeah. People are doing stuff. Yeah. Always doing stuff. Mm. It's a really busy, creative place. Oh, this is amazing. I think I want to finish with the question I ask everyone, which is a bit daunting. Some people hate it. It's about the biggest like goals and dreams. We've talked a bit about it. I've got an idea what it could be. Like yeah. maybe a gigantic so two studios, a gigantic studio in Ramsgate, gigantic studio in Menorca. Yeah. And then you yeah. travel in between the two. Oh. Um so but yeah, seriously, what what are some of your kind of big dreams and goals for the coming um, yes. I think actually because I have worked day and night, more or less for 10 years, and it has been, you know, joyful, absolutely brilliantly joyful. I'm tired and I've worked way too hard and I have seriously neglected my physical health in a sense that, um, you know, when you overwork for a sustained period of time, you do get... Um, unhealthy and I feel like my priority now is to really focus on my physical health the next 10 years of my life I want to be really fit healthy and strong um I do feel like I'm I'm strong mentally am I strong physically definitely could be a lot stronger and a lot healthier and a lot more you know balanced in many ways because I'm 55 in January which I'm so proud of I actually really love the pro I hate my birthday I hate celebrating it but I've started now 54 55 I'm like no I'm really proud that I am at this beautiful stage of my life I've still got my kids um I've got a lovely life I'm going to really appreciate everything that I've got so I think the next 10 years I just want to be 
very conscious and very and then that work will come from there as well because mm-hmm. I've worked yeah. really hard to get here mm-hmm. and that I definitely paid a price for that you know it's I, intense to paint like it it does no on the body I feel like it's quite you know your body gets I, I don't know I think it's quite all of it's intense yeah all of it I think being a creative person is a really intense it's well I mean probably be far more intense being an intensive care nurse yeah, maybe. you know yeah. I, it's I'm not we like I'm not on the front line yeah. of of what people do for our society you know my goodness me it's mm. such a cushy life but I, I definitely need to be a much more balanced person mentally and physically that sounds like a good plan that's definitely important yeah and your work is only going to get better for, for it you know well you want to be healthy and you know your work reflects you doesn't it mm. you are your work mm. so and I love meeting people and or seeing people think oh my god that's their work that's they look like their work they are their work they are there's a synergy between the actual person and the work that they produce and I find it when it's really deeply authentic they're one entity Mm. and I I love that idea that somebody asked me recently is your work autobiographical and I was like, at the beginning it was. And I was quite embarrassed that it was. Like I was self-obsessed and I was just drawing myself. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it needs to be really autobiographical now that I go back in, whereas I've been trying to draw the world and everybody in it. Well, hardly, but, you know, having variations of people, maybe I go introspective and just draw me and what I think of the world mm. in a completely different way. Might not happen. Might happen. Well, this knows. would make for the most unique work. Because it would just be... I think, you know, it was the one thing I shied away from once I became conscious of it. But when I looked at the very first pieces that I did, I'm like, especially the first Be Kind, that uh, that was me. That was mm. that was definitely... Insecurity and feeling scared and... Terrified. Yeah. Absolutely, properly terrified, but doing it anyway. And that's something my husband always says to me. It's like, I can't believe you can do that. I can't believe you could just put yourself out there. And I'm like, I just needed to do it. I really needed to do it. It was a weird cocktail of, I have to do it. But I'm really, really, really terrified of doing it. Mm. So... I think I learned something in that process of being terrified, but doing it anyway, mm. you know. And when I first started doing, like, the be kind, be brave, that that was me talking to myself, saying, you've got to do this, you know, or everything's going to be okay. Trying to combat major anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and I, I do tell myself most days, everything's going to be okay, you know. Don't let that anxiety run away and um, consume you. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please let us know what you think on Mimi's Instagram or email us if you have any questions. 
Also make sure to check out our community on mimiforcreatives.com and listen to previous episodes of the podcast. Reach out if you fancy a coaching session with me and have a look on the website for resources, tips and tricks. Now, have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Bye.